episode number 50. 5050. Man, what a milestone number. Episode 50, Tip the Spear Leadership. Today, I have Mr. Chris Knight with me from the Baltimore City Fire Department. Chris, thanks for joining us. That's a pleasure to be here. Um, thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. And, uh, you know, we've been going back and forth a little bit by phone and, and, and a few other things. And, uh, you know, I'm really glad to have you on. I'm glad we were able to make this work. I know it was a little, uh, little hectic to get it going, but we're here and we're going to have a lot of fun. So, Chris, please give everybody a quick introduction of who you are, where you work, um, real brief, and we'll get rocking and rolling. Yeah, Chris Knight, um, Baltimore City Fire Department for the last uh, 17 years. Um, I started off volunteering when I was 16, so uh, going over 22 years in the fire service altogether. Um, born and raised in Baltimore, so it's it's cool to work where I was born and raised. Um, currently lieutenant. I've been assigned to Engine 14 as a firefighter and a lieutenant since 2010. Um, right now I'm taking a detail out to the fire Academy and working on some projects there. Awesome. Uh, you said, you said you were born and raised in Baltimore. Was that in the city or Baltimore County? In the city, in a row house. What part? Uh, Remington. Remington. So, uh, 20, uh, Remington and West 31st street. Is that anywhere near where you, <laughs> where you worked or? No, uh, it's, it's, it's a city of neighborhoods. So not, not too close to where I work now. Um, just south of, of Hamden. If anybody knows anything about Baltimore city. Central. Yeah. Baltimore. Central, a little bit north of downtown. All right. So you're, you're kind of near Ravens and Orioles. Orioles. Uh, north of downtown. So like old West uh, or old um, Memorial stadium. Okay. That noise just was. All right. Um, so the reason why I bring that up is, you know, when I first started volunteering, I volunteered in the town that I that I lived in, and it gave you a, a sense of um, pride and respect. And I found myself over the years I was there that stayed there because, you know, you go out and you run in your community. There are people that, you know, are fellow community members, you know, and I think that takes everything to a whole nother level when it's the people that you live around. You know, I am a a Baltimore person. I am running calls in Baltimore and you take a lot more pride than some guy from, and there's nothing against this in any way. I'm just saying, I think the pride is different when you, when, you know, rather than driving from Northern Pennsylvania to Baltimore to go to work and then you go right back home to Pennsylvania. And there's nothing wrong with living in Pennsylvania. I'm sure. Somebody's they come down and take our jobs, come down and take our job. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the point that I'm making is, is the, the pride um, that, that you, that it instills in you is, it's no different in my opinion than when you get your assignment and you know, you're from what's, what's the neighborhood 14's in? What is that? Oh, uh, it's, it's a, it's a bunch of small neighborhoods, but Carrollton Ridge, um, Booth, uh, Monroe, um, Union Square. There's a lot of neighborhoods yeah. there. Yeah. Those are your neighborhoods. You know, you're going to take a lot of pride in them. You're going to, they're people you see every single day. You know, you're not from that neighborhood, but you know, while you're at work and even when you're not at work, I'm from 14 engine. This is my neighborhood. And you take a lot of pride in that when you're running calls, you're interacting with people, how you talk to people on incidents, you know, because as the officer and, and, you know, as, as a firefighter in those neighborhoods, you have to give a shit, right? Yeah. That's the whole point. And, That's and ultimately see, why we're there. Ultimately why they're there. And, and I think, you know, being from the city of Baltimore gives you a whole different level. 
And why am I bringing this up? Well, you know, as well as I do as an officer, and maybe you can talk about this a little bit, you know, everybody's got their focus on you. And, you know, you set the tone on all of that. So think about that. The pride and professionalism you take because it's a town you're from is going to put you at a different level, I think, than somebody that's from not from the area. Because subconsciously, it's no different than, you know, your neighborhood and that company taking care of you and your family, you know? And, sure. your, guys, and your guys feed off of that. The guys watch you and see how you interact with people. So what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I moved away from the city when I was 16. Um, went out to Montgomery County uh, for parents' work work requirements. Mm-hmm. And that's where I really got started in the fire service. I was uh, volunteering out in Montgomery County. I have no family history in the fire service. We drove by this volunteer firehouse every day. And I'm like, what's going on here? So finally we stopped in. It was their meeting night. I met some really good people. They said, here's this orange observer jacket. Jump on the rig if we get a run. And 10 minutes later, we take a first two fire and I was hooked. Um, So I did that for a few years and then realized, hey, I can get paid for this. And and loved my job. And I applied everywhere. I applied to nine different places. And Baltimore was the first place that hired me. And I'm like, okay, I'm going home. Um, so it was really cool to go back to the city where I grew up in. And it also um, opened my eyes to that city too. It wasn't the neighborhood that that I, you know, Baltimore, small neighborhoods. I grew up in a small neighborhood. We didn't leave our block for the most part. So it gave me a wider perspective of the city. But also, like you said, um, my first day going to the academy was full of so much pride that I was going back to work in the city that, that I grew up in, the city that I loved. Um, so that set my mindset from day one. No, that's, dude, that's awesome. Where, yeah. uh, where, where did you volunteer at in Montgomery? Uh, Laytonsville. Layton. Yeah, so we didn't know anything about the fire service. We moved out to this farmhouse on this dairy farm, and it was out in the middle of nowhere, running about a thousand calls a year, but... Uh, really good people, surrounded by really good people. That's that's where I grew up. I was 16 when I walked in the door, and I felt like that's where I that's where I grew up. Awesome. So let's fast forward a little bit. Um, you know, you you volunteered for a few years. You probably were like, "Oh man, I know I'm good. I know what I'm doing." <laughs> and then you walk into the Baltimore City Training Academy, and how hard did you get smacked back to reality? I know I did when I walked. Uh, in. Pretty quickly, yeah. you know. I. I <laughs> I, I was told by a few people, you know, walk in there like you don't know anything. And that's that's what I did. That was my mentality anyway. Um, so I just absorbed every, absorbed everything that I could the way that they did it. I mean, every department does things a little bit differently. And, and that's for a reason. So I just got, yeah, like you said, smacked back to reality and, and just act like I didn't know anything. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's all you can do. You know, you, yeah. I think that's the best way to do it. I, I think the biggest lesson that I learned was how much I didn't know. Sure. And I, and I thought I was squared away. You know, I was a volunteer in Southern Maryland and I thought I knew a lot about a lot. I thought I had some experience. You know, I went to some fires, had some fires under my belt. I joined in 2001. I got hired in 2007. So I'm sitting over here thinking six years. I was like, oh, shit, I know what I'm doing. I'm good. And yeah, I started volunteering in 02, got hired in 07. So. Pretty boy, similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, boy, was I wrong. I mean, it was a mm-hmm. whole different world where I work. I mean, everything and anything could be different. And, you know, it, it 
I knew what things were, but I had no idea what I was doing. I went from a I went from a department where you know you could be ten minutes to to a first in house fire, and yep. to a department where you got two minutes before everybody's on your back, and that was apparent walking into the academy that that was the environment that that I was going to be operating in. Yeah, and then the cultures are wild too. Like I went from a place where everybody's spread out and you know, the next couple units are probably from your same firehouse because there's a bunch of people hanging out. So you'll show up, you know, two engines and a rescue squad and it's all the same guys on the same team. Whereas yeah. the place I went to work, you come out of the firehouse, you pop over that hill and you're looking at the second new engine. Oh, yeah. as, you're, as you're making, as you're banging the, banging the left into the street, you look behind you and that engine's there with a truck behind him. You look in front of you, third new engine popping the hill, and then there's another ladder truck behind them, or you know another unit, and everybody's right on top of each other. A lot, a lot of the well for us, we don't staff um, units, so every single unit that is there is a different firehouse and a different crew. You know, I mean, ultimately we're all on the same team, but not at the company level. Well, That's, for lack of better words, it um it, it boosts your sense of urgency pretty quickly. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I mean, you have to have your shit together, and you know, it's it's night and day. You, you know, like just the level of accountability was another big night and day difference um, from being a volunteer to when I went career, and you know, it, and it and it's a good thing. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit. You did your time as a firefighter. You went to fourteen engine. Um, they, they go to some fires, apparently, from what I've heard. I oh. say that, I say that in jest, but, um, a lot of work, busy company. Um, you guys do a lot of fires. Um, so fast forward, you're promoted. Mm -hmm. Chris, congratulations. You are a Lieutenant. What did that feel like? Crap. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> no, it's, it's, um, I was, I was, I was really motivated to take that test. I put a lot of time and effort into taking that test and studying for that test. Um, I was, I was motivated more by the people around me who were like, you're ready. You're ready to be an officer. I had nine years when I first took the test. And, and at the time it was like, if you don't have 10 years on the job, you're still a rookie. So I was, you know, I was apprehensive there. Um, came out in the top 10, um, ended up getting burned a couple months before I got promoted. I came back for one shift. Um, and out of nowhere, the email came out that night on my first day back that I was promoted going to a truck company in the Southern part of the city, the next shift. So here I am, I was out of, out of the loop for a couple months with an injury and then come back to my company and there's my email. And now, now I'm going. Uh, so I was excited. I was nervous, um, nervous in a good way because I want to make sure that I'm prepared. Um, wanted to make sure that I was ready and there's really no way to, to ever know if you're ready until you're sitting in that front seat. So um, got promoted uh, at the time I was a floater going to this truck company. And at the time as a floater, you could put your transfer in day one. So I had a conversation with my senior guy and my captain on my shift that night about some other companies. Um, From 14 before you left, uh, just real quick to follow yeah you, you talk to the senior guy at 14 you talk to your captain at 14. yeah so this is this is my last shift this is the night the email came out at dinner time and we're, we're standing yeah we're standing on the front apron like okay what are you gonna do you're gonna stay at this truck um i'm like uh i don't know i'm gonna do my time you know but this is my opportunity to find a spot that i really want to go to and put this transfer in because that, that doesn't 
that doesn't happen very often that you can get that floater spot and put your transfer into where you want to go day one as an officer. Um, so I talked to my captain, talked to my senior guy, and we were talking about surrounding, surrounding companies. And they're like, why don't you come back here? Why don't you come back to 14? And I'm like, well, I, I don't know if I really, if that's really the right move. You know, I'm a firefighter here. I, I don't, is it the right move to come back in a supervisor position? Um, they're like, don't worry about it. Cause we knew an officer was getting ready to leave. So fast forward, um, that's what I did. I walked into the truck company my first day, uh, shook the captain's hand with my right hand and handed my transfer right back to 14 with my left hand. Um, And it took about six months and I ended up back at 14. Yeah. What? uh... I went to a different shift with a couple of guys that had came in uh, since I wasn't there in that short period of time, a couple of guys had come in. So it worked out well. I was with people that I really hadn't worked with that much before, but, but got back to the place that I loved and that I knew, sure. um, which is a positive and, you know, a negative in some eyes, but. Well, I mean, I think that's going to add a layer of challenges as an officer that may not be the same in other places. So I guess where well, I'm there's, there's six months at, at the truck, you know, I definitely had to deal with, um, a lot of things that I was uncomfortable. Right. So I'll go back to the, I'll go back to being at that truck. I mean, my first day I'm, Oh, how old was I? So probably 30 when I got promoted and there's, there's guys that, and and I'm on the job for nine, 10 years. There's guys that have been in for 20, 30 years at this house. It's a double house. And I walk in, I'm like, all right, well, I I guess I got to do a lineup. (laughs) The other officer on the engine had been off. So I, I do a lineup, I ring the gong, and this whole house is standing in front of me. What I'm do like, you want? Okay. Um, introduced myself and kind of gave my expectations and and quickly let them go about their day. And then um, sat at the desk in the office to kind of look at what the day was going to be. And I remember sitting at the desk in the office, like, I know I'm supposed to be doing something, yeah. but I, I can't, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. So, and, and, and it's nice to have a mentor too. So I, I did have some people that I could reach out to and that's a mindset thing. That's just, you know, I know what I need to do. It's just, now it's up to me. There's nobody that's going to guide me. The battalion chief's going to show up and expect me to know what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I, I so when I got promoted, I was 28, 20, 28. And, you know, that was a big challenge for me too, is, you know, you go through, you get your written, you get your practical, you do some stuff to show, you know, for competitive promotion and all that. And, you know, that's not how you learn to be an officer. And maybe you talk about this a little bit as well. Like, I I know exactly what that felt like where you walk in and you feel like you're for not forgetting something. What am I not doing that I should be doing right now? And this isn't your comfort zone. Now you're not, you're out of your comfort zone. You're not used to being the, the the guy sitting there having to. Yeah. You take plan the day to be prepared to go out. I I went to a company that was a hazmat company. I, I think one of my first calls was a derailment in a train yard and we were supposed to be first due and I'm not a hazmat tech. Mazmat yeah. ops. I'm like, I hope somebody gets there. Yeah. Because I'm not prepared for this. Yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, 
It used but to I was. be. I was prepared for it. I just didn't realize yeah, yeah, that. I yeah, was. Yeah. Well, it's your your role is different. Yeah. But you know, you you usually go in as a firefighter and you're looking at your officer and you know you're taking cues from him and the other guys and ultimately other guy everyone kind of looks at the officer then but except now you are the officer so you know you're not forgetting anything you just have to learn your new role and what I was trying what I was getting at earlier was you know there is no book for that I mean there's people that can talk about their experiences and I think books everyone talks about their experiences but nothing will prepare you for your experience your Christopher's experience as a new lieutenant there is no book for it all you can do is be prepared you had nine years which is not a lot of time, as you said, I mean, from your, in your perspective, but some places, nine years can be a lot. Ten years can be a lot. It's all a matter of if you are actually ready from your preparation in the beginning. Because there's people out there that have nine years that are going to go out and be absolute rock. And I, maybe you've felt like this. There's guys that go out with very little time. They go out and they're fine. The officers, they're great. They're fine. They do whatever they're supposed to do. You know, they are hit the marks, that, the benchmark's supposed to hit, and they're fine. Me... I had eight and a half years, almost the same thing. Close enough. I didn't feel like I was ready. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel comfortable. You don't know if you're ready until you're there. And when you're there, you don't have a choice but to be ready. So the whole thing is to prepare, is to prepare. So I went home the night that I got off of my last shift as a firefighter at 14. And this is how I prepared. As as an officer on a truck in in Baltimore, you're, you're the forcible entry guy. You're going to the front door for the engine and your force and entry, usually by yourself. Um, so I didn't have a whole lot of time force and entry in Baltimore. I was, I was on the engine and focused on that role. Um, so I went home and I watched every video on every different way that you can use a Halligan bar and I practiced. And then I also sat down and I went through our entire uh, MOP 600 series, which is all of our basically field operations, anything from what you do on a hazmat call to what you do on a a dwelling fire to what you do on a swift water. And I took a little tiny notebook and everything that popped out as I don't have a whole lot of experience in this, I wrote down in this little book. Um, So all my hazmat numbers, all my CO numbers, all my swift water numbers, um, all the way down through that entire operations section. And I kept that little book in my pocket on the wagon. Um, didn't really have to reference it a whole lot, but I knew it was there because the last thing I wanted to do as an officer is get on the scene and not know what to do and not have, you know, the information that I needed. So I think as a new officer, when you know, you're getting ready to promote is, is prepare whatever you need to do to prepare, to be on the street in front of something, do it. Sure. And you know, this is something I've talked about on my podcast. I've talked about on my um, podcast Instagram pages. You know, their leadership. You know, you have to show proficiency in your area of operation, your equipment, and all those things. But ultimately, it's okay if you don't know what to do, right? Not sure, a big it's leader. okay, but it doesn't feel great. <laughs> correct. As long as you know who does, or you absolutely. Know or you know, like, let's say you're on this truck and, and you're doing a hazmat, just for example. And how many people are on the truck? Uh, four. Four. We so, are four, four and four and four on all suppression, rescue, squad, engine, truck, four. Four. So one of the four of you, it may not be you, the officer, but those other three guys, I'm sure, 
probably know where to start. And then you fill in, you jump in, like, all right, and he'll say something to the effect of, all right, hey, LT, we need to do X, Y, and Z. You're like, all right, cool. Let's start knocking that out. Boom, boom, boom. Hey, this guy, he comes in, you know, just for conversation's sake. Your tillerman on your ladder truck, he comes in, he starts knocking stuff out, and you guys are right, you're rolling in the right direction. Other units start arriving, your chief arrives. This is what I got. This is what I did. Here you go. And then everything goes smoothly. You don't have to have every answer. You don't have to be the all-knowing guy. And what I've learned as an officer, and maybe you can speak on this a little bit, they don't want you to be a know-it-all, right? You can kind of just add your, your two cents in. What I've learned is when they're talking about something that I know about, I'll say something to the effect of, you know, hey, dude, uh, my experience was this, or hey, I tried this. What do you think about that? Or hey, this has worked for me. What do you think? I think when you go in there and you add and just listen, a lot of the times, just listen. Don't always have to enter conversations, ask questions. And I think most of it, they don't want you to be a know-it-all, but they want you to be engaged. They want you to have insight. They want you to be able to make that definitive answer. And when you make those definitive answer, it comes from preparation by being engaged in those conversations. Knowing Absolutely. The, knowing the right people to do the job and knowing that you're not going to always have every answer and it's okay. but. The point that I want to make with this is that, you know, leadership also, especially in the moment, is as much theater as it is reality. So, and you had your, you had your book in your front pocket of forcible entry and other things you said you, you weren't too sure on. And, you know, you were probably, you know, nervous, anxious. On the outside, normal. On the outside, cool, calm, and collected. They don't need to know that you're anxious and nervous, and they don't need to know any of that. You have to have the competence to back that up. You know, even though you're nervous and you're, you got your normal face on, you need to still be able to go in, be efficient, effective, and part of the team and, and knock it out. But it's okay to be nervous and scared. Oh, yeah. You touched on a lot of, a lot of points there. And, and um, so I'll fast forward to when I went back to 14. It was about six months. So I, I had... You know, my, my routine down, I, I was confident in certain areas and, and knew what I needed to do for myself. And then when you talked about relying on your crew. So my first conversation when I went back to 14 was, my door is always open. Uh, if you, I, I hate using terms and, and, and catchphrases, but if you see something, say something. Um, we are a team. I'm going to count on you guys. Um, I'm going to count on your experience. Uh, you may know things that I don't know. You may see things that I don't see. It's okay to say, Hey Lou, this doesn't look good. Or, Hey Lou, why don't we, why don't we do this? Or, uh, why don't we take the line here? It's like that, that's fine. Open, speak up. The only thing to that is I said, at the end of the day, I'm ultimately responsible for making the decision on the fire ground. So there's a time for, you always speak up. But there's there's also a time where, okay, we need to get the job done. And you might think that, that we should do it a different way, but it's not necessarily a life or death situation. I said, if I'm going to put you in a position where you're going to get hurt, yeah, stop me. Um, on the way there, if you have some ideas about this incident, yeah, speak up. When, when we get there and we have a, a job to do, it, we, we can't be debating back and forth uh, in those first few minutes. And that, that might sound harsh, but that's where the confusion starts to set in um, is when you pull up and, and everybody's got a different idea, uh, at least in, in my city. 
you know, because we, we have to pull up, make a decision and pretty much act on it. So what what I'm trying to say is my, my door is always open. I don't know everything. Um, use your experience to benefit the company, to benefit the team. And then, um, at the end of the day, you know, I've got to make the decision and then, uh, we go from there. Yeah. And you know, it's, you really, yeah, it's got tongue tied. You brought up a really good point of, you know, always being open to suggestions and observations, but it is a democracy. It is not, or uh, it is a dictatorship, not a democracy. And by that, I mean, if I say, Hey, pull past the house, you know, lay out, pull past the house and stop. Don't park right out front. You're going to do it. That's just mm-hmm. the way it is. Now, if I say pull past the house and park so we can run our line through the front and you say, there are power lines down, we have to stop short. Absolutely. It's a different fine. story. Perfectly fine. But as an officer, even if you all are on the same page and you have senior guys or you have guys with a decent amount of time on, um, you still have to be clear and decide and clear and concise. And it's not because you don't trust them. It's because they don't see through the perspective that you do with the ideology that you have as the officer for the big picture. And that's not to discredit anyone, but my mindset as an officer, your mindset as an officer is different than it was when I was a backstep firefighter, when you were a backstep firefighter. I don't think like the officer when I was a fireman. And what I mean by that is, real quick, I want to get this. Um, The point that I make behind that is, and this is something that I've really, I've been an officer now just short of 10 years. And this is something that I didn't fully appreciate. And it kind of, as much as I hate to say it, dude, I kind of screwed this up until recently. And it finally kind of clicked in this last year of, you know, uh, and just for example, we had a fire where we were third new engine. So for us, third new engine goes to the rear area of the greatest fire extension. So like if you're on a second floor, you're going to go line over ladder to the, the third floor. Or if you have a top floor fire, you're going to go into the attic or cock loft and fire extension. And, and then it kind of changes with a few different, but you understand what I'm getting. At. So it was understood. We're going to the rear. We're going to do line over ladder, get ourselves prepared. So the guy with the guy on the line brings line guy on um, the guy that rides the bar. We'll grab the ladder. I'll do my quick assessment. Hey guys, you know, blah, 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 whatever. What I didn't realize was when we get there, jump back or like turn around, yo, 300 foot line or 400 foot line. Our target is this. We have to get there. You need, we need X, Y, and Z clear, concise. Right. And I didn't really fully appreciate that. I guess because I didn't have the experience of where it didn't work out that great, but we had a fire where it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. And there was a better position we could have had that I didn't communicate. I knew what I wanted to do. I didn't communicate to them. And one of the guys was like, you know, hey, like, this was very confusing and it wasn't your fault completely because the direction that we got put us in a weird spot to where it's not really practical to get to the space we need to be. But, you know, you you should probably be clear on this is our target. This is where we're going. And so we are all on the same page, which is exactly what you said. Yeah, and that's part of the conversation when you get back to the firehouse or the tailboard or whatever, it's like, okay, what did we do? Right. What did we do wrong? Why did I make this decision? Like I'm in the past, you didn't ask why. Right. But I think the why is, is super important now. So making your crew understand or helping your crew understand why you did this, even if it didn't seem like the best thing at the time and why you changed your mind. 
um, hopefully that's where, you know, they understand kind of your, your thought process. And if you're clear with it and you're, you know, after the fact, you know, usually the first couple times or whatever, like when you're, you have the situation like this one, this is what I was thinking. This is why they're understanding. Everybody wants to go there, do the right thing, be good at their job, be a dependable company, be a dependable crew, have the integrity or um, have the, the crew chemistry and all that. They all want that. So there is a little bit of tolerance from the crew to the officer as new situations pop up. However, just like everything else, just like the earth around the sun, you're going to circle back and that situation is going to present itself again. may not be the exact scenario, but a very similar scenario will come right back around. And I wanted to bring that up because there was another recent incident that I had where we got put into another uh, an exposure. And I knew in my mind, the first thing that popped off was that, that call that I told you about from a few months back where I'm like, wait a minute, we have a target, a position to be in. I know this can be confusing. Turned around, told the guy this size line or this line, this is where we're going. This is where we're going to be. I need you to stand by if we need it. Just because the scenario, the situation at hand, we didn't know exactly where our line would be, but we right. knew where we were kind of going. So you would need a line that would hit everything. So that was immediately communicated. I will be here. I will call for you or I will find you. Meet me. That's here. that mental, that's that mental slide, right? That's the, I've, I've experienced this before. I know what we might need to do. So now I'm going to prepare for it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, oh, well, seen this one before. I don't want to be that guy again. And yeah. you know, the funny thing was after that incident happened, no one will directly be like, Mike, thanks this time for not making that mistake. You didn't hear that. You heard all the other things from all the other things that went on on the call. You know what I'm talking about, right? Other incidents yeah. with things that may not have gone that great from other people or from themselves or whatever it is. When you start hearing the, the other stuff and you are not brought into the other stuff, it's kind of nice. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a little bit of validation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So then it, you have to take all those, all those moments and, and build on them. They're not just, they're not going to, like you said, it's going to circle back around. So take every incident and, and learn something from it. Yeah. And, and you're always going to know, you're going to know when you have control, you're going to have, it's going to be palpable when there's respect and it's going to be palpable when, you know, and I don't know how to, I don't really know how to say this, but if you ever, so like if you're in control of a group of guys and Hey, do X, Y, and Z. And they're bam, bam, bam. Exactly what you said, because they want to follow you. You're giving them a reason to follow you. Or as you come back out and you're like, Hey, we're going to do this. And they do something kind of looking at you kind of funny. Or they kind of give you a funny look like, mm, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. you know, because, and the other flip side of that too is, you know, Hey, I want to put the line we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And the guy was like, kind of like, are you sure? Maybe we should try this because of this. Oh shit. Yeah. That, yeah, that would have been bad. Yeah. Well, let's go do that. Yep. Thank yeah. you. For your, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where you have to put your ego away and, and listen, listen yep. to what your guys are telling you also, yeah. you know, you also, but you know, in the same token with any suggestion. And, and I think this is what takes things to a new level with, with, with being an officer. And, and I've had this go good and I've had it go not so good where you tell them no, you know what I mean? Oh I yeah. I had an incident where I'm like, I want to lay out from here, split lay to here. We're going to drive around. We're going to park and do this. And somebody was like, 
uh, well, don't do that because you have this here. You can do, this is what we did in the past. No, I don't want to do that. We're going to do what I said. And this is what it is. Thank you. I don't say thank you for your suggestion, but I present it like, no, we're going to this. I'm, we're doing this. And well, that's being assertive. That's like, okay, you, I, you have a plan. He might be seeing something else, but you, you've got a plan and that needs to be, that needs yeah. to be done. And that's, that's when sometimes you have to have, you, you put on that voice, that tone where, nope, this is what I want. This is what we need to do. Yeah. And, and then afterwards what? we go back and, and, it's, and I try and tell him this is why. Yeah. And you know, and what I've always, what I've learned, what I've learned and what I've done is afterwards, you always circle back with that conversation. You go back, you like, Hey, look, dude, I want you to understand where I'm coming from with this. This is why I made this decision, but I want to know why you made that suggestion. Um, yeah, I that's a good point. Like, you what, know what, what I mean? Did like, he see? Yep. Exactly. And you know, there comes that point and, and they want this. And I, and I remember a firefighter telling me this in the past where they want you, you can come in, you don't have to say something. Hey, we're going to do, we want to just, for example, we want to do this and this on this call, you know, cause it makes more sense and it's easier, not easier because they're being lazy, easier as in less steps, more direct, more, whatever, whatever you want, whatever adjective you want to use. And you say, and you kind of listen to them all and they're kind of going back and forth and you kind of come in, you're like, no, we're doing this and this, this is why that's the answer. They want you yeah. to be assertive like that. Well, you, you, you touched to on something right there about uh, this might be easier. This might be more direct. This might be, you know, might get us aligned faster into the fire building. This, but it's it's all about making the unpopular decision to get the job done that needs to be done at your job. So it might take a few more steps. It might be pulling a longer line. It might be some more obstacles. But if you have to get to a certain place and you're expected to be there with your line, then it might be the unpopular decision that we have yeah. to do a little bit more work instead of pulling this line and going in and, and, and getting some fire. Like yeah. that's, well, there has to be a balance of your, there has to be a balance of aggression and policy. So like some policies create a gray area where you can kind of, you know, I don't want to say be a fireman, but like you can kind of allow them to kind of be a little more aggressive than normal or kind of scratch that itch of aggression sure. to kind of get in. But ultimately this, in the same token, there's policies where there is not a gray area. It's you get a direction. This is the policy, the, the general or the, your department policy. I know you guys want to do that and it's going to work, but our policy is this. We can't, this policy specifically, we cannot bend. Yeah. We like we have to do this. That's just the way it is. Like so, I understand what you're saying. I get it. I respect it, but this is our accountability. This is our job and we have to do it this way. We just need to be faster the way we're not exactly happy with. But ultimately at the end of the day, that's how it works. That's our job. And my job is to make sure we are doing the right, doing what's, what's right. And in most of those circumstances, those policies aren't so much policies as expectations, right? Correct. So if you're supposed to, I, and I'm my, what I'm thinking about right now is just our positioning on the fire ground, right? So I'm expected as the first engine to go to the front door, uh, to, to pick up a hydrant, go to the front on scene report. Second engine goes to the rear. Third engine's writ, fourth engine covers the first, fifth engine covers the rear. You, if you dictate away from that, then you're not where everybody else is expecting you to be. And I'm not saying just like, oh, okay, I'm not going to go there. But if, if you take the easy route, you're probably not going to put yourself in the position that you're expected to be in. Um, so it's it, it, there's policy, but I also like to, that's another key word that some people 
will look at you funny when you're like, oh, we got to follow policy. No, these are expectations. These are expectations of the command officer that's coming in and the rest of the fire ground. So we're going to do whatever we have to do to get our job done and be where we are expected to be doing what we are expected to be doing. And now that's not, that's off the cuff, right? I mean, that's not going to be on every incident. Every incident's different as long as you communicate what you're doing. But for the most part, I tell my guys, we're going to do our job and what we're expected to do. Yeah. And you know, there's going to come a time and place where you're going to have to deviate. Absolutely. If you, if you create the, if you, but you have to communicate that and that, Correct. Then, then that's fine. Yeah. And, the, and there comes a time and a place where you're going to have to kind of stick your neck out and you're going to have to go against what you're supposed to be doing. But if you pay into that bank of accountability and that bank of trust with your battalion chief, with your captain or whoever your supervisor is, that time where you have to deviate and you communicate, they're going to know, well, hold on a minute. This isn't normally characteristic of Christopher. Why did he do that? Mm. Yep. And they're going to let it fly because you're normally 99.99% of the time, you're exactly where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there with the exact reason. And then you get the next thing I want to start talking about with you as well is, okay, Chris, you were supposed to be in the rear and you're out front. Why? Why did you do that? That is not what we're supposed to be doing. What would you see? What happened? What's going on? And then you get to explain yourself. You may be right. You may be wrong. It doesn't matter. Because you made a decision mm-hmm. for the situation you had at hand and the circumstance that was given to you, not by your choosing, because we don't get to choose what we're doing and why we're there, right? We respond. We are responding. We're behind the eight ball, in my opinion, in everything, because we are catching up. And that sucks as a company officer because we're continuously catching up. That's what I always, I, know, I always feel like we're always catching up. We're always behind sometimes, unless you pull up on a, on the fire and I mean, that right. makes life easier. Yeah. And well, it's like car accidents. You, you never get the, it's rare that you see the accident happen. Then you pull up and there's chaos. Correct. So exactly. So, you know, you're responding to everything and, you know, sometimes and that's just the way it is, is you have to make the decision for what you have. And, you know, when you do deviate and, you know, you get that why, you know, they want to ask why you're doing what you're doing. And that's the next point of what I'm talking, I want to talk about a little bit as well is, you know, as a company officer, I've had situations that were exactly that, not the way they should be. Um, a few of them, I would say, well, a couple. One of them, when I came out, the supervisor of me was not happy. Very first thing out of his mouth. You were supposed to do X, Y, and Z, and you did not. Why? Well, chief. This is exactly what happened. Got a pause, looked around. He kind of looked around for a minute and goes, all right. And then he reiterated what you sp- you're supposed to be doing here, or not supposed to be. He reiterated why he wanted a certain, or why the certain thing was supposed to be done. He understood why I did it differently. We kind of talked a little general of, you know, just make sure in the future, blah, 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 blah. And it, it came down to a little communication, uh, lapse of communication on my end. And that's ultimately what it was. It was communication. Deviation requires communication um, and warranted deviation, not, you know, I'm second arriving, first arriving to get the line in place. I'm going to go run right around and kick the helmets out the way and sucks to suck. You should hurry up. No, that's not how that works. Those mm-hmm. things are cool and fun when you're a firefighter and when you're younger and whatever. 
as an officer, absolutely no freaking way are you going to do that to people. It's just not going to happen. You shouldn't be doing it. You're the officer. Yeah. Um, as an officer, you're responsible for a lot more people. You're not, as a firefighter, you're, you're responsible for those people too, but you're not thinking about that. You're thinking about, so as an officer, you're, you're making a decision where you're responsible for, for your crew. So yeah. It changes yeah. That. And, and that's ultimately what it is. You know, you just, you just got, you got to, you got to communicate it. And Absolutely. That's the biggest thing. So, all right. Uh, let's change feet a little bit, change foot a little bit. Did you run any fires at your first assignment on the ladder truck or was it when you got back to 14? I actually had a couple down there. Um, Tell me about and, your first one. Tell me, uh, me. So the first one I had, um, we arrived, we had a, a, a row with an end of the group um, storefront um, or taxpayer, however these you call it. It was a storefront with apartments above. Mixed occupancy. Um, me, I missed mixed occupancy. So our best access, so our policy, our expectation is you go to the front. Well, did my size up, looked at it. Most of the fires on the first floor rear, uh, this store does not seem to have access through that, through that front door to this rear apartment. So I made the decision to go around. We're going to make, there, there was two side doors. Okay. So typically on, on these for us, um, the, the above apartments will have a side door. And then this one had a second side door in the rear. Um, so I made the decision to take this second side door and had access right into the fire room. So I had to make the decision that we're not going to be forcing entry in a side alpha. We are going to go to side Bravo and we're going to force entry into this door. So I immediately got on the radio and, and reiterated that I said, side Bravo, second door, that's going to be our point of entry. <clears throat> And uh, we went in and the fire was right there. No questions asked on that one. Actually, you know, the chief said, good job on getting that out on the radio. Um, but that wasn't, that's not the expectation. So that was the first one. Uh, forced the door, got in there, small fire in the rear. Um, and it was, it, it was a good, it was a good experience because I, I was challenged right off the bat. You know, not a typical assignment, not a typical point of entry had to make those decisions. Now, meanwhile, while making those decisions and those radio transmissions, I'm thinking, oh, I'm making a, the unpopular decision here. Am I doing the right thing? Um, but it worked out. That was the first one. Yeah. So you brought, you brought up something at the end that was kind of, kind of interesting. You, how many, how does it feel when you're like, Again, we talked about that uh, theater part of leadership, theater part of being an officer, where you're like, man, I'm hoping this, golly, I hope this is the right decision. Oh, it crosses my mind. Yeah, you have to, it's the unpopular decision, right? And it's, well, it's for for me, because it was in our department at that time, you didn't change what you, you, I'm thinking of a different fire too, or this makes a lot more sense. But it's making it's making that call that's that's not the expectation, right? So you're gonna you're getting ready to keep the mic and you're gonna make that call and you're gonna change things up. And if you, if it doesn't cross your mind, and am I making the right choice? Then you're crazy. And it takes it's it's a, it's a split second when that goes through your mind. Um, but yeah. you know it's the right thing to do. And if you yeah. know it's the right thing to do, you've got you you do it. What's the instinct too? And that's what I was talking about. I mean, it's and I've had this as an officer as 
many more times than I really want to admit or say out loud where I have to pull this trigger. And man, I think I'm right. I think that's what we should be doing. But there's always that possibility. You open that door and you're done. And now there's somebody else out front who's got the fire. And then, yep. And then, you know, and then they, and then the chief's looking at you like, why'd you do that? Yeah, exactly. Like, do it. Yeah. You circle the block, you do it. Man, I'm glad we were out back. Hey, nice job being out back. Whatever. You know, hey, parking out back was are they they're not they're not directly complimenting you but they're talking about being where the, the position is like yeah this worked out really good i'm glad that we did this because blah 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 and you're in your mind you're like thank god that's really worked. sure there's i mean, <laughs> like, you there's I mean? nothing in this job is 100 so you have to follow your instincts you have to be able to look, to read the 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 building and the and the the area and make your best make the best decision with what you have and that's why i'm like i'm going to make the decision the best decision with what i see not with what's easy and not with what's popular and not with what's convenient, yep. but the best decision to get this job done. Yeah. And you know, and you could probably speak on this a little bit too, um, in being in such a busy area, uh, running is running a lot of, I mean, you, the fire load that you guys run is probably a lot more than a lot of places in the country. Um, definitely more than where I work, but, <laughs> um, the fires are going to come. Yeah. You go to work. If you go to work, and you show up, I, don't, I just said the same thing twice, showing up's half the battle, right? In, in, in time, no matter where you work, the fires will come and you're going to screw up on them. It's going to mm-hmm. happen. It's going to suck. But I think resiliency and tenacity will always be key. You know, your guy, the guys that you ride with, they're going to be mad in the moment it's going to suck. Like you're going to look like an idiot and you're going to hate it. And these, this is at least my experience. And I think where the payoff comes in is you keep coming back, you admit your mistakes. And then the next time, like we talked about, just like an orbit of the sun, it's going to come back and it's going to hit you. And you're going to, hopefully in my experience, you do well. And then you do good on a few fires, a few calls, you screw up a little bit. You do well, you kind of screw up. The screw ups are going to happen. It makes you human. And what I've learned is, and I had one particular screw up where I got lost on a call and the map didn't translate in my mind to where we were going. And we did a kind of a circling. like a Oh, loop. yeah. And it was <laughs> bad. And it was embarrassing. We were supposed to be second due on a working fire. We were like the last unit there. It just, it sucked. Fast forward three or four years of good decisions, some mistakes, and then other decisions that we were, everything was fine. That's a joke now. We laugh yep. at that. Yeah. Or we'll go, we'll run a call on that street and then they kind of, they, everybody kind of chuckles or, you know, a smart ass comment or you see some random thing on Instagram about being lost or whatever. And then they send it to you and they'll laugh and say the street name. Like that's, as an officer, I feel like that's where you get that gauge of knowing where you're at with your crew and the resiliency. Keep coming back. Keep showing up. Yeah, you screwed up. You still got a confident look about you. You can still make decisions. It didn't rattle, rattle you, and you're there. Yeah. I mean, you, in, in that type of scenario, once you get there, you still have a job to do. All right. All that, all that confusion and, and that gut wrenching feeling and that I screwed up, all that that happened on the way there and throughout that getting lost. Well, all right. Now we're here. We have a job to do. That's, that's, we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll figure that last part out later and we'll, and we'll learn from it. 
And um, the biggest thing with that, real quick, just I'll yeah. jump real quick. The biggest thing with that, and this is something that I feel like I, has paid off in the long run, because I mean, God knows I've made, oh, I've made so many mistakes. But <clears throat> hey, guys, I screwed that one up, and you drop it. You, you apologize for it. You drop it and figure out, not so much in a public way. You figure out how to never make that mistake again. So for me, was was a little area issue, issue right? Knowing where I'm going, um, and it's embarrassing that I didn't have a grasp of direction. And one of the guys was like, <clears throat> "Collectively, we we need you to stop screwing this stuff up. You're it's kind of bad. <laughs> We're all kind of mad." And so the first thing I did was, and he made a suggestion, and so I followed his suggestion, and I went and made my own maps, two big map books, two short binders. And every day I get in the fire engine, I have two gigantic books. It's our first through fourth alarm box districts with written directions of how to get to every single map page from the firehouse streets notes. Um, I went and even wrote a, like a little five and the direction we come in from the page. So, I mean, obviously, if you're out and about somewhere else, then yeah, you need to figure it out. But Yeah, but the, the most typical, yep. Firehouse, 3 o'clock in the morning, having a bad day, exhausted, my mind's not where it should be, or some of the guys may laugh about this, I'm half asleep. Wake up, flip to the map page, oh, left here, right here, and you just walk right down it, you know exactly where you're going. That saved me so many times. Circle forwards a year or two, the conversation just happened to come up. And I don't remember how it came up, but the guy, the same guy was like, you know, it was kind of nice to see you be like, ah, oh, crap. And then all of a sudden you walk off kind of a, on a different spot. You don't really say a whole lot and you're making a map book. Yeah. Or watching you get it in and out of the fire truck every day with those map books because you knew you screwed it up and we all see it. It was kind of nice to see that happen. Because you showed that you cared. Yeah. You showed that you cared and, and that you were going to do what you whatever you could to improve. I mean, yeah. I, I, for us, our, if we have our typical crew, um, our drivers are pretty much expected to know these routes, but I always, I, I say it's a team up front. So I'm looking yeah. in the computer, I'm looking at the maps I'm looking at whatever I need to do. Yes. But when that, when those tones drop and it's right down the street, it's a 14 dash one box, right? So it's, for us, that means it's close. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one where, I jump in and it's all I saw was the first two letters of the street name. The street was actually Fulton. I saw F U joke. Um, and I thought furrow because furrow is where we went to a lot of fires. So I told the, I told the driver, I said, make a right. We're going to furrow. He makes a right. I look back at the computer. It's Fulton. We should have made a left. So now we're going now I, I look at him. I say, um, it's Fulton. And he looks at me like you just screwed us. And he just starts hauling and we get down, we make the turn we get back across. We come back up from the bottom side and we ended up getting there first. But that was like, Oh man, I almost really screwed us up on that one just because I didn't take the second to really, you know, the the bell drops and the first thing you see and, and you tell them. Um, So yeah, that was a similar experience for me. And that's now that's a joke. Now that's a joke. Are we going to Fulton? Or are we going to Furrow? Um, yeah, and but it, ha- and it happens. Down is important. Slowing yourself. The whole, down. the whole way there, I'm like, oh, I see the column. It's over there. You know, this this company's coming from this way. I sure hope I didn't screw this up. Too big. 
Yeah. But, one time you don't want it to be a fire and it, it will 100% be yeah. a fire. And like, shit. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I knew, dude, I've done that so many times. We have streets that will be courts as well. So you'll have Smith Street, Smith Court, Smith mm-hmm. Way. They all touch. But Smith Way, you have to go a different way to get to it. Um, or you'll have, and this happened to us recently, happened to me recently, was they put the street name out. But the street connects, like it comes, um, it's one full street, but halfway through it, there was concrete barriers. But they were building a new school, and to get to that part of the neighborhood, they removed the concrete barriers. Everybody knew in X block of X street, there were barriers, but they removed it for the the construction of the school for the trucks to get in. So now you could pass all the way through. And what's plan B? (laughs) If you don't look in the map book to know which side that block was, you would, you'd be screwed because if you went the wrong way, you can't get through. It doesn't work, right? right. You drive around it, you can't squeeze through on the sidewalk to, well, we'll figure that out later and um, whatever. We made it here. We're good. There is no such thing as that. So we got put out four o'clock in the morning. We're driving down the road and I thought the street was on the correct side. What, I, what ended up happening was we, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, and as we're coming up to the street, I'm about to say something and I'm like, wait a minute. I don't know where that is on, oh, the, I think the blockage might be gone. I don't remember. Like it's all like, and all, and this isn't like a long period of time. This is like rapid. What time of day was this? Uh, like four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. It makes it so much worse <laughs> when it's you just wake up and, and yeah. And right as it, right as all that clicked, I looked up and I saw Another company and a battalion chief flips, zip by, and I'm like, well, you know what? If this is wrong, we're all in this together, and I'm not the only one that didn't realize that. Not that that matters. I'm just saying in my mind, I'm like, well, at least I'm not the only one that just screwed this up. And well, sure enough. It's, it's human nature. Be like, Oof. We, yeah, sure enough, we swung that turn, and no one said anything. No one stopped, and I just sat there, and I didn't say a word. Got there. Fire went out. You know, We did our jobs. You know, All that, whatever. So we talked about it on the way back. And I was, remember talking to the driver. I'm like, man, I was like, I completely forgot they removed that. I, right when we turned and we were coming up to that T intersection, I, it clicked. Shit. There's mm. a barrier. And then the other two companies went by and the barrier wasn't there because the barrier was one street up on the left. Like right when you made the left, you would have seen it. Like it was right. line of sight. Um, and, it, you know, that was kind of that was kind of the end of it. But that gut wrenching feeling, you know, it, it's going to happen. Those mistakes are going to happen. And, and it made me fully appreciate and really reiterate to slow down and really pay attention, especially those streets that sound alike, look alike, act alike, or are alike, you know, like 61st Avenue and 61st Street. Sure. Opposite ends of an area. But if you don't look at the split blocks, you can have a split block that says, uh, for example, is like, 561st street but then 161st street is still 61st street completely opposite end of the, the person of the company's first due they're nowhere near each other and it's easy 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 to screw up now if you were driving around in your personal vehicle you would probably have no problem with figuring that out but add on add the pressure of of your assignment add the pressure of a report of fire and you have to make those those decisions and make those choices and get there now that's a whole nother perspective. Yeah. And you know, the being the team, the team of, uh, 
team player. The the partnership up front with the driver and the officer. You know, you should be the fail safe for him. He should be the fail safe for you. Absolutely. You know? yep. and, and that's and that's the nice part is you know I had a I had a recent event where. The driver's like, oh, hey, I want to do this. I'm like, no, we can't do that. I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And he's like, all right, hey, man, thanks for saying something. You know, and it worked out fine. Or, you know, I'll say, hey, we're, we're going to do coming in this way. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. And the driver respectfully like, uh, you need to look at that again. And that doesn't sound right. I looked at it again. Oh, shit. Yep. Nope. You're right. It was exactly as you said. Do that. Yeah. You know? I've had guys come to me and say, I'm, I'm sorry, Lou. I, I screwed that one up. I said, we're a team up front. I said, it's not on you. Did you learn something? Okay, great. I'm not mad at you if you learn something and it, it, we're a team. You know, if you're going the wrong way and I know you're going the wrong way, then I need to say something. If I'm telling you the wrong direction, and you know, it's the wrong direction. I'm, you need to say something. We're, we're two people up there. Yeah. Like our job is to get, to get there. Exactly. It, it will always be a partnership. And the one thing that I kind of, I don't want to say it's a pet peeve of mine, but like one thing that I had, I got smacked down for being a firefighter is if I'm in the back and I chirp up front, Hey man, blah, 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 blah. It's like, shut up. We're trying yeah, to figure it out up here. Yeah. <laughs> I remember officer goes, he turns around afterwards uh, after the call. He's like, Hey, if you don't shut the fuck up, <laughs> don't ever do that again. But I've, I've also been in a good spot with that where I'm, yes. front, yes. I'm up front. Like, uh, and my drivers, uh, and then somebody says something, they're like, all right, got it. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's kind of the night, especially like if you're that's, going that's reading the, the room too, that's, that's you being aware of what's going on in the engine, what the officer and the driver are doing, what, the, you know, if they got it. Keep yeah. your shot. I mean, I don't know how you, I don't know how you are with some of this, but like, there's some times where you'll be out, you'll be doing a medical or something. And then all of a sudden, bam, you got to get dressed like fast. Yeah. I'm short. I'm a, you know, I'm a short guy. I can stand up in the front of a fire truck as much as I hate to admit that. Um, Six five two twenty. The front of the fire yeah. truck is my worst enemy. That's funny. I, I'm <laughs> five six. No, um, <laughs> you know, able to stand up, and um, you know, I'm like, dude, I gotta get dressed. Like, I can help you, but I gotta get dressed. So, like, the first thirty seconds, like, all I got to, as long as I can get, throw my pants on, take my boots off, if I have a coat, like, get my shit off. Throw my running pants on. As long as I got my pants, and my my hood, and my and my um, radio on, I can throw my coat on in a second, and my pack on, and I'll be fine. Like I, yeah. I, I have to get those three things on. Yep. First, my hood, my pants. Once they're on, then then Otherwise, I'm all about paying attention to where we're going. Can, and if he knows if he's going the right way, then I'm then I'm you know back to getting as, as quickly as possible. I can guide you in. I can play catch up with the crew. I'm fine. I got to do my 360 on my 360. You know, I'll fix my waist straps, fix my shoulder straps, get my shit exactly how I need it for my routine. I can do that during my 360 and, and, and catch up that way. Because for us, we have to do 360s on everything. If able, I mean, if, I mean, obviously a commercial building or something gigantic, you can't. But single family, townhouse, row house. I mean, if I can get to the rear, I have to do a 360. And that gives me time to do that. The only thing I don't like about that, which, I mean, it is what it is. Again, like we talked about earlier in the show, it's policy. It's not my opinion. It's policy. You have to do it. You're accountable for it. That's just the way it is. Um, you've, you're catching up. I don't like yeah. that, but I also trust my guys are sharp. They know what they're doing. They they are consistently dependable to do their job correctly. And so I know I can catch up and just fill in where I need to. Yeah. Um, 
It think? doesn't take long. It takes a lot longer in your mind than it than it does, you know, if you're yeah. if you're ready to go to 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 get yourself squared away like that. But um, yeah, and that's when you have to depend on them. Like, I, I got to lean on you on this one. You guys are gonna have to do a lot, or not a lot. You got you guys are gonna have to be ready to go on your own because I'm gonna have to catch up because you know whatever. Or I'm getting dressed up here. Hey, driver, you're gonna you got to get yourself to the main street of this call. Like, I have to get dressed. And we're close. Like we're super close. Like you, you have to head in the correct direction, not look at me and go, I don't know where to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's, that's going to happen. I mean, you could have some of these very small, tiny tertiary streets and for something like, if he's like, dude, I don't have that one, then I will completely stop what I'm doing. Flip through, find it. Hey, it's going to be boom, 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 boom. All right, cool. I got it. You know? Sure. That happens all the time. And if that happens, where I'm, where I know I'm going to be delayed and getting out of the wagon, then the first thing I do is turn around and say, Hey guys, I'm going to be a second. Like you're going to be a second because I have to take a minute and look at this or do this or whatever, or yeah. I'm not going to be as fast as I typically am. So as long as you communicate that, then they're not running down the street, looking behind you, like where, where do you go? They know yeah. that they're going to have to um, do a little bit more when we first get there until I'm there. Yeah, and th- incidents That's and things like that. It's communication and things like that. Guys in the engine can read the room, like we talked about before. Guys will know. I mean, it's loud. They're kind of probably just. I'm not gonna say off in their own world, but like looking around, you know, looking out the window, chatting back and forth in the back, or everybody's kind of having a conversation all together. They know what's going on in front. They know we're out on the road. They know that the driver just said to the officer, yo, dude, I don't have that street. It all, it's all up here. Yeah. And hopefully you've created that culture where guys are engaged. Yeah. Some of the, and I think about this all the time. I, I, what I miss the most about the crew that I, that I had and the relationship that we built and we knew we didn't have to say anything. Most of the time going to a first in fire. A lot of times it was quiet. It was, it was quiet in the wagon. Yep. Like nobody was saying a word because everybody, the driver knew where he was going. I knew what I was doing. They knew what they were doing. And if, if we didn't have to say a word, I was like, okay, I've created, or we have created a relationship and a, and a, a teamwork that, that we, we know we expect what each other is going to do. And if something changes, then, you know, we go from there. But I loved going to first in fires with the report of fire showing and it's just quiet yeah. because that means everybody, you know, in that situation, everybody, everybody knew what they were doing. Well, that's, that's the premier situation of the fire service in general. I, I think that's the, the, the pinnacle, the, um, benchmark you strive for as, as a, as a company level officer, just a dude riding a fire truck, your yeah. pinnacle, your, the, premier thing is dispatched first do report multiple calls fire and smoke showing like and your computers are probably like ours where they'll they'll have ding 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 it's popping up multiple calls so they're dinging that's a great feeling when you're you're freaking heading down the road mock 5000 your all your stuff's on you take that and for me all your stuff's on you give yourself a quick glance straps ways because you know your first do you so you're getting there investigating something so you got to have all your shit on correctly take that take that deep breath and 
we're going to do th this is the street second left officer side this house this should be your hydrant take a breath look at your map this is another way to get there for whatever if you know if needed yep. take a breath you look over at your driver hey man you good you got that yeah all right cool and then you look out the windshield and you just you're going down the road you start seeing your computer screen start ticking you see all this orange pop up caller duplicate caller visible smoke and fire everyone's out of the house caller states everyone is out of house caller states fire in bedroom whatever we got something yep dispatch to engine one receiving multiple calls battalion one do you want the working fire dispatch all that kind of just starts swirling around you're like oh yeah and you circle the block you kind of look back no one says a word and you're like hey front door all right cool and it yeah. just it goes from anxiety and nerves to deep breath and let's and you get your job and you and do you your get job. out you, then, and yeah then, and that's and that that is the the perfect scenario but that it's not always going to happen. It's not always going to happen, and that's but and that's, it, it's it's it validates that okay, I've got a I've got a good crew, and I've and, and we prepared each other, and I've I've done my I'm doing something right. Yeah, yeah, because I know what it feels like as a firefighter. Where I'm like, man, I hope this isn't anything because this guy, this officer's crap. And yeah. I know as much as I don't want to admit it, especially when I was a new officer and, and I didn't really have a grasp on anything. I, I just, ugh, I wish I could go back and change the past, but I also value the lessons I learned. Um, they're, they're, where I know guys were like, man, I hope this isn't anything because Mike's not that great or Mike's going to get us lost. I know that's happened. I know that's, I know that statement has been made because I, because I've heard. It, you've got to, I mean, not, this is where I start to get on my high horse a little bit. It's like, it took me a long time to realize that I, I know what I'm doing is right. I know I'm making the right call. And yep. I don't, of course, you're going to care a little bit about what the perception is. Sure. Sure. But you, you, you can't let that change your decision making. You can't let that change your mindset. You can't let that get inside your head. So as long as I'm confident and confident for the right reasons, confident because of my experience, confident because of I've, I've, of what my mentors have taught me, confident because of what I've, a confidence in my guys. Um, all the way, not just saying, oh, I got this because I got this. No, I, it's validated that I'm making the right decision. And screw you if you didn't like it, you know? And yep. it, it's, 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 it took me a long time to just be like, you know what? I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what anybody else thinks because yeah. because our job got done. Yep. The fire went out. Yeah. And you know, you know there, there's another there's another nice thing about that too and and we'll 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 do a flip side of that of you have the confidence you make the decision you're like, you know what? People don't like it. I don't freaking care. This is the decision on. We have to this in this split second. That's the unpopular decision that I was saying. This is made. And let's say you're situate. Let's say you had the confidence. You pulled that trigger, and you're wrong. You're flat out wrong. Mm -hmm. It's a great feeling when you screw it up. You know you screwed it up, but you know you made a decision with the situation you had at hand. And then somebody that you that is on your shift, on your crew, you know, one of your firefighters says, "Yeah, you know that kind of sucks." You know, hey, maybe. Maybe next time think about this. 
Mm-hmm. Do you think about X, Y, and Z? You know, this is why you should think about this, and it might work out next time. Because they're not there mad at you for screwing up. They know you screwed up. They know you fucked up. And it yeah. is what it is. But they are stopping investing the time to sincerely try to help you. They're sincerely trying to bring you in to build you up just as they would each other because you've watched them have that conversation, those exact words with another firefighter when they screwed up. So now you're, now you're kind of one of the guys with those things. I don't know. I'm not sure if that makes sense what I'm trying oh, to say. Oh, no, hundred percent. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. It's like, like earlier when you were talking about making your map book, it's like, as, as long as you care and you put in that, put in that effort, um, we're all human. I took a test. That's why I'm riding up front at the end of the day. Um, I have to make those decisions, but I, I'm no different, if not worse than the 20 year guy behind me that's, you know, been in this company longer. So yeah, we're, we're a team. So we have to learn from each other. You have to be, you have to put your ego aside and, and, and be a human and say, admit when you screwed up and hope that, what you're doing is making the guys behind you better, better than you'll be. Like my goal now is, is, is to, to have everybody that is, is coming behind me be better than me. Sure. Like I don't, that's, that's the ultimate for me is like, okay, what you can say, what, or leave it better than you found it. Like I hate those terms, but right. my screw ups, they learn from, yeah. I learn from, and hopefully they take it seriously and, and, and are better for it too. Sure. And then, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I, I feel the same way. And, you know, but when you, they're, when they're able to communicate that to you, your yeah. screw ups, when they're able to are comfortable to come to you and say something, that means they care. That means they know you care. And, and, and they're not just writing you off. You're not, Oh, that's just some bum officer. He screws up. No, they're coming to you and talking to you because they know you care and they care. They're it's not, a conversation. Yeah. It's not a bashing. Yeah, they're, and they're not afraid to verbalize when they're not happy with a decision you made or they want to question you. And yep. I think, you know, because anybody could sit there and be like, yeah, you didn't know what the hell you're doing. Or yeah, you screwed this up. Or shocker, you got lost. Like, when somebody takes the time to try and say something to you the correct way, that's respect, I think. Yeah, and, and I think that means you created a culture where it's open. It's open. You haven't, you, you've included them. You haven't said, Hey, I'm the, I'm the guy, I'm the dictator. No, this is a, it's a team effort. It is 100% a team and there's a time and a place for it to be a dictatorship. And when you create that culture where they're not afraid to talk to you about the mistakes you make even bigger, they're not afraid to admit the stakes they make. Yeah. Cause that's a big one. You know, yeah. I'm not afraid in this group to say, I fucked this up. Because there's a ton of personalities, there's a ton of people, and when you have a group of seven or eight or ten guys that no matter who's around of those seven, eight, or ten, they're not afraid to make a mistake and say they made the mistake. They're also not afraid to correctly call someone out. Hey, you screwed this up. Blah, you know, you should have done X, Y, and Z. Or you know, you know what I'm trying to say. And that's training right there. That's that. I mean, that's that's basic training too when you're talking about that you are you just created a company level training environment just yeah. by having that conversation uh, it's just as important when they do something right 
say, yeah. hey, good job. Yeah. You know? It's nice as an officer, too, when they're, and again, we talk and, and, or to be Or to be told as an officer, hey, you made the right call. That was nasty. You, you made the right call. Yeah. Like, that yeah. feels good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, no, I, I totally agree. And, you know, there's going to come times where people don't get along. And I was kind of taken back by a, a conversation I had a while back where, you know, two, two people I know were not really getting along, not really jiving. And my, my suggestion was, why don't you just go to that person and talk to them? And yes. they stopped and go, well, no, because we don't have drama right now. To me, that's not worth it. To me, it's not important enough for it to create a rift that it could create. And I think that's very important. And, and for the person to stop and think that way and to think ahead is another symptom that they are proficient and another symptom of the success of the group is, is important, you know, and it's, and it's, again, it's not like a problem or like a conflict. And it's not, I think the guy being afraid to address the problem, I think he's able to decipher what's worth addressing and what really big picture wise, overall wise, I mean, I don't no, want to say the, what's, what's the risk first reward here. Is it, I mean, is this, is this, is this thing lying low and it's not obstructing our job or, okay, then it's okay to leave it for now, but just yeah. let it, sit, let yeah. it rest, you know, pick your battles, pick exactly. So that was, that's what I was going to think, what I wanted to get in or not get into, but I wanted, wanted to get across was, you know, there's going to come a time where, as an officer, as a firefighter, as a human being, you have to pick your battles and yet that thing may really annoy you and it may be kind of annoying, but what are you going to do by addressing it? It's really not affecting anything. And it's almost kind of like, why don't rock the, don't rock the boat or don't, you know, if you, if you stir shit, it's going to stink kind of thing, I guess is another good. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's, I mean, the only time that I would disagree is if it's something, you know, is going to come back around and affect the group. Then at some point it has to be addressed, but yeah. I, I don't know the situation and I'm going down the rabbit hole on that. But generalized, that's a generalized yeah. conversation. Yeah. Um, it wasn't on my shift. It was a completely different time in my career as an officer that it was pretty it, nice to it's see a that. a personal person. issue and just something yeah. that can just be, you know, all right, it's better left, left line. Then, then that's probably the right move. But if it's something that's going to come back around again and affect the team, then at some point. Yeah. You and do you something know, about it. And you have to be engaged as an officer. And I think there comes times yeah, when you got to listen. There's people when they have conflict where, you know, and I've even asked myself, like, you know, hey, I hear you talking about that. One, they're talking about it in front of you. So it's kind of like, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, hey, are you, are you good with what's going on? Do I need, do you need anything from me? No. Okay. If I missed anything as the officer that I should have addressed or caught or, you know, called this part, you know, not called the person out, but is there anything I should have done as an officer that I'm missing? Cause I want to make sure, cause, you know, you can't see and hear everything and a lot of the problems they have. Well, how serious is this issue? Correct. And if you know, it's not that serious then let the guys take care of it. It's there. Yeah. So there's a lot, I mean, there's obviously always going to be zero tolerance things that obviously, you know, you're a government employee at the government level at zero tolerance. It has to be zero tolerance in the firehouse. And there's a lot of times where, you know, you hear things kind of going on, people start talking and, I've had this experience where these two guys are kind of talking to each other about something and I walk away, you know, or they're talking, they're kind of going at each other. You can tell they're kind of getting into it a little bit, but it's not bad. Don't even walk over, walk out, go to somewhere else, let them handle it. Let the guys be the guys 
and read the room with stuff. There's comes times where there's stuff that needs to things are going to need to get done that you probably that are probably against the rules a little bit. You're bending the rules to do it, but you know what? I think, and I'm not saying anything in particular, but you understand what I'm trying to say. There's sometimes something things kind of need to happen and go on to take care of themselves. And at face value, should you step in as the officer? Yes. In reality, practicality, longevity, having a trust and, and rapport with your crew, and you kind of like, mm, I'm going to go over here. You need to handle this. I'm le- I'm going to walk out. I got a phone call. Figure this out. If you can't, I'm coming back, and I'm going to figure it out. Well, that's the whole other aspect of being an officer. That's, that's the managing or, or uh, supervising people in the firehouse. You know, that's not as operational thing as much as – so that's the other side of it. Like you need to, to know your place in the firehouse and where you need to take care of things, where you don't need to insert yourself. That's, that's a challenge too. Just as it's, much as the challenge is making decisions on the fire ground, okay, I have to make decisions in the firehouse. It's tough. And, and, and having hills to die on as an officer and hills to die on as a company officer specifically. And somebody said something, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was, um, and it might have been on your podcast, but it was, uh, it, it was like budgeting yourself, like, like micromanaging, you're, you're, you're throwing little bits, you're throwing money at, at little problems. Leadership you're, you're, capital. I, 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 yeah, yeah. Paying so, into the bank of leadership, that kind of stuff. So that I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save my, I'm gonna save it for the big stuff. I'm not gonna put it into. I'm not gonna insert myself into every little tiny thing. Correct. As long as everything is getting done, everybody's good. You know. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna and focus you know, on the big stuff. I'm gonna focus on the big stuff. Handle it at your level. If you can't handle it, then it comes to my level. That's one thing. And then there's stuff that. You know, if I catch it, hey, you need to fix this immediately. Or, hey, I got wind of this. If it's going on, you need to freaking stop. It needs to stop or whatever. Because if it goes beyond me or if it gets out to go anywhere else, my hands are tied. If you tie my hands, if you do something that ties my hands, that's not me. That's not on me. I'm not here to get you out of trouble. Yep, that's where you I'm can't be a friend. Correct. Like you have to do the right thing. I'm going to have to do my job. Like uh, one, one example is, and I've never had to deal with this, but this is one of the things, just for example, uh, for discussion, you know, you get arrested with a DUI. I can't hook you up. I, you I tied your own you. hands. Yeah. You are, yep. You have a policy. This policy is beyond me. And quite frankly, you know, I'm not going to allow myself to get put into a position to get myself in significant trouble. Right. And by that, I mean, you're doing nobody any favors when it, it comes to stuff like that. All that stuff. Like if you sexually harass somebody and I physically see something that is bad, it's done. It's done. Yeah. Because I, I am responsible for this. And here's why I bring this up. If I do that for you, every other single person that just watched me do all of this, I have to do it for them. Because if I don't, why am I doing it for you and not them? Why am uh, I changing how yeah. I act for you and not them? And that creates ripples in the pond that are even that's more. Your consistency. That's your consistency. That's your, that's, that's your, that's, that's who you are. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's your character. So if you, yeah, if you don't do, if you don't treat everybody the same, yep. even if you don't feel like it, yep. you've just, 
you've just screwed yourself. Now right. you don't know. Now you're like, oh, they're playing favorites. They're playing this. No, it doesn't work that way. You've just screwed yourself in the firehouse and on the fire ground. Why are you saying something to me when you don't say something to that guy? Yeah. Or you're giving me a hard time about this, but you don't give a shit about that guy doing that. You know what I mean? So I'm yeah. not, again, like I said, don't turn a blind eye to things, but always, always, always have your non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. Your non-negotiables are will always be paramount. Whatever you set them at, it doesn't matter what they are. That's all up to the individual and perception of themselves or their own um, decisions. I mean, excuse me. On the, on the bigger picture of leadership, though, that's just that's just being consistent and being fair. And if you do that, then they will follow you anywhere. Yes. And you know what? I think there's some times you're going to get chinks in your armor when it comes to those decisions that you make because things are going to blow up in your face. and It's just the way life is, right? Yeah. But I think – if you do your best to help them when you can help, you do your best to keep them on the right path, even if they don't like it. In time, I've learned most adults will get it at some point. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, absolutely. So, uh, Chris, we're kind of hitting that one hour and 20 minute mark. I think this is well, kind Let's of- go. Two hours. <laughs> this is a good place. I haven't touched my list yet. <laughs> this is a good place to uh, to kind of set the circus down, as Tim McGraw would say, um, and uh, you know to start wrapping things up. So, did we miss anything that you wanted? to There's a good chance. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we missed out on? There's just a there's a couple of key points. I mean, I I, I came in my second year in. I didn't know if I was in the right job. Um. I got to 14. I, I got surrounded by a lot of good people. I learned from them. I became an officer and I, and I prepared myself. So prepare is number one. Um, to the point where I kind of came out of my shell and then I really started engaging with the guys. I got new guys. I got rookies, um, used my experience to, to kind of help them and, and lead them and talk to them like they're, they're humans um, and, and figure out what they need and always putting them first to succeed. Um, that's the most important thing to me now. And there's a, I mean, I can end with this. I've got all kinds of stuff written down. I mean, preparing, listening to your members, uh, I've written down all the things that I've done good and all the things that I've done bad and my decision-making process, this whole list is going out in the trash. Um, but there's a quote from Albert Einstein that kind of really set the tone for probably the rest of my career. And it's try not to become a man of success, but a man of value. Okay. So like success to me has an end point. A goal has an end point. If you constantly check on what your value is to your company, what your value is to the job, what your value is to the mission, to the department, whatever it is, and you check in on that and make sure that whatever you're doing is of value, that doesn't end. There's no, there's no end point to that. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, everything that I do, I want to make sure that I am of value. That's a pretty powerful quote. Actually- it is. And, I, and being at, so I am at the academy right now and I saw that and I put it up on my board and then I took it and I put it on the recruit sign-in sheet. I'm like, you, you are a team. Um, whether you like it or not, we, we're on the bottom rung. We're not superheroes. 
Sure. We go, we, we might think we are, but we go whenever they call. Yeah. Um, and if you think about it as, are you valuable to the citizens? Are you valuable to your crew? Are you valuable to whatever it is, whatever it is. And you constantly check in on that. You're going to, you're going to be good. You know, and, to and take you've it- got to take it seriously. You've got to love the job. Yeah. Like there's going to be people that don't, that are there for the paycheck. But the people that are listening to this podcast aren't there for the paycheck. No, I agree with that. So I, I, that's the that's the one thing that really made me step back and think, okay, I got that. Sure. No, look, dude, I, and maybe you could, I don't know, maybe you could relate to this or maybe some of the listeners can relate to this. Hopefully they're still listening. Um, that's a very powerful quote to me because, and here's why, and I, I won't be long-winded about it, but you know, maybe you could add some insight. I have often found myself as an officer and maybe it's my own security as a person, or maybe I have insecurities as an officer. I don't know, but either way, what I'm getting at is I always feel like I've wondered where, if I'm valued, I always wonder if I'm doing what needs to be done to be a respected officer. Do people respect me? Do they, do they like me to work there? Do they want me to work on their ship? Like that kind of crap. And I've always found myself going in circles, thinking about those things of wondering what other people think and wondering, you know, am I a good officer in their eyes? Am I an idiot or am I a joke or, you know, should I just leave? I've always, I've had those things pop in my head a lot, but in the same token, every single time I find myself in situations where I think to myself, well, this is the right thing that I need to do. And if I do a lot of these right things a lot, or I've reminisce on situations of, Hey, I made this decision. It wasn't popular, but ultimately needed to get done. Do they see that as well? And the more often I've just focused on being in the moment of doing the right thing, I've found that that right situation gets brought up by someone where they'll address it to me. If that makes sense. Yeah. Also take, if if you're thinking that way, that are they, are they understanding this? That's a perfect time to say, Hey, this is why I did it. Yeah. Hey, does because now you're, that? yeah. Because now you're instilling that. Hopefully, they're that you, you. You might have instilled that value in them too. That, yeah. Okay, this was a pain in the ass, and anyway. But that's that's. I mean, for me, that's what keeps me going is making sure that whatever I'm doing is is a value. And yeah. um, yeah. That's that was, that was that's a damn good quote. That was, that was a damn good quote. That was that actually. It changes your whole mindset. Because uh, there is, yeah, it, 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 it puts, it, it, it takes away the end. Like yeah. it, takes, it takes away the anxiety and the stress of I've got to get to this point. Because there is no end point. Just every day you wake up, I mean, you're not going to feel great every day walking into the firehouse. But okay, I've got, a, I'm an officer, I'm a leader. Ultimately, I need to be of value. That's it. One day, one call at a time. That's all you can do. One situation. Yeah. And when you've got to know when you've got to take a step back, you have to know when it's time for you to do something different. Because if you let yourself just get stagnant, sit there in that firehouse and sit in your office all day and be pissed off, you're not a value to your guys anymore. And they yeah. know that. Yeah. And the, just being engaged, you know, you yeah. being engaged, admitting your mistakes, not being afraid to have those conversations. You know, and just take it one day, one call, one hour at a time. Or just break it down. What's my next thing I'm doing? What's drop my- the ego, 
drop the ego. Try not to care about what people are thinking about you if you're doing the right thing. Be yeah. of value. Take care yeah. of your guys. Listen to your men. Prepare. It's all there. You'll know in time. In a yeah. period, over a period of time, I would say, and you know, I mean, you could probably add in your opinion. After about six months, you're it, you're gonna know. Sure. That's Sometimes you'll know right away. And you'll and you'll know right away. You'll be able. It's palpable in the room. Yeah, I've had. In the, I'll I'll end with this. The the, the most. Everybody says uh, the the best thing that you can be in the fire department is to be called a, a great firefighter or a good firefighter. He's a good firefighter, but for me, Christmas Eve, I've been out of the company for a little while um, at the academy working on some projects. I I'd left my shift. I was only supposed to be at the academy for six months. It's going longer. It's going longer. Christmas Eve, I get a text message from my driver. You're the best officer I ever had. You make me want to be a better person at home. You make me want to be a better person at work. You're doing good things. That's what matters. Like yeah. that, yeah. that is, I don't need that. Right. I don't deserve. I told him before my first message back to him is I don't deserve that. I, we're, we're a team, but it made me think, okay, I'm, I've made some good decisions along the line where, or people trust me or people respect me sure um where people want to be better and that's what the fire service is all about is making it better so that we can complete our mission sure yeah that's good man that's and for someone to take their time out of their day on a time or on a on a holiday on a holiday or (laughs) not at work he wasn't i checked he wasn't at work he knew i was like just out of nowhere i get this message and i'm like okay yeah, and societal normals, that's a day where you're not talking to other people. You're at home with your family and all that, and he stops what he's doing to say something like that to you. Now, I don't think I just definitely like necessarily deserved that, but it, it, that's my own, you know. That's your own opinion, but, you know, that's the other thing, too, is he has the right to be able to say something like that. And, yeah, no, it feels you know, good. Your, your, your little bit of humility to say, I don't deserve that, I think is, is as good as just as good as saying as, you know, I mean, obviously you say thank you, but yeah, you, you know, it's, it's good to have. It's letting him know that like, I we're part of, you're part of it too. Yeah, sure. And so those are, and we'll, we'll end with this. Those are some of the nicest way or not nicest. Those are some of the validating ways to know that you're heading in the right path, especially if you had something that went, didn't go particularly well and you felt the situation was just not great. And then someone you really respected that was part of that situation where you're kind of like, man, I screwed up. They hit you up and say something nice, like not maybe not the Christmas part, but that call sucked. You know, th- thank you for doing your best to try and get yourself and get us in to do work. And it was kind of nice to have an officer that knew what they were doing. And that wasn't a, a complete bag of shit. Yeah. I'm going to bed. We've been up all night. See you next shift. Yeah. So, like, I mean, shit to, like to, that. to the listeners, you know, talk to each other. Just good and bad communicate. So, all right, Chris, thanks again, man. I, I appreciate you. Um, I know you're not normally a, uh, podcast guy and, and I'm you first know, I'm, one. I'm very glad to have you as, as my, uh, as a guest. Thank you so much for your time. Time is not something you can get back. And, and for you to take the time to talk to me today is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an honor. And yeah, it's, uh, it's my honor. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And this is, uh, 
a glimpse of Charm City leadership. Yeah. So that's just me. Uh, there you go. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just who I am. It's just what, you know. No, I understand. Um, so don't go in there real quick while I close this out. I think you did a fantastic job, by the way. This has been a really great discussion. Um, everybody, thanks again for coming back to the Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast. Um, we're going to have some more information in the episode description. Keep an eye out for more episodes in the coming weeks. Thank you, guys. You guys have a great day. And enjoy yourselves. And be present. Be yourself. Be unstoppable. Thank you, guys.